0: We just want you to know, Sally Capp, that it doesn't matter what you say to us this evening, we will not believe you and there's nothing you can say that will convince us to vote for you.
1: Sally Capp was elected Lord Mayor of Melbourne in May 2018, the first woman to be directly elected as Lord Mayor. She was also the first woman to hold the post of Agent General for Victoria in the UK, Europe and Israel. She took the small business she co-founded to the ASX and she made history as the first female board member of the Collingwood Football Club. But for all of her first, in this episode Sally talks about some of the seconds that are part of her story, her early career as a solicitor, an unrealised dream of becoming a barrister, her business challenges and personal pressure points, and the
2: moment she decided to turn her energy to public life. So one of the key messages that I took away from the many gems and stories that Sally shared with us in this candid chat is her capacity to rethink old beliefs in the face of new information and experiences. Now this isn't easy for any of us and Sally reflects on the importance of challenging her own behaviour and style of leadership to achieve deeper personal growth and a renewed understanding of both herself and others. Here's our conversation with Lord Mayor Sally Capp.
1: Sally Capp, if someone read your bio, they would be forgiven for feeling a little bit intimidated about all the unbelievable things you've done, both in the business world and now as the 104th elected mayor or Lord Mayor of Melbourne. Here is my first question. How many women have been Lord Mayor of Melbourne?
0: Well, I'm actually the third. I'm the first that's been directly elected. Uh, so the system used to be that you vote in councillors, as happens in many other municipalities, and then the councillors vote on who is going to be mayor. And often, it's you know, you, you take turns as councillors. So in the 80s, which was really a transformational time in Melbourne, we had our first two, one after the other. We had Alexis Ord, uh, 87 to 88, and then 88 to 89 was Winsome McKackie.
1: Great names.
0: Winsome and Leckie are both involved still in the city uh, and have been very supportive. And it was one of – you know, so sometimes in life there are moments that are embedded, crystal clear, and uh, I always get a – you know, there's a physical reaction to them anyway. One of those is uh, after the election in 2018, in my eagerness, uh, I – uh, turned up for work on day one and I wasn't actually being sworn in until the Thursday but I didn't realise that I just didn't start on the Monday. <laughs> uh, so I've turned up and uh, I, I was sort of greeted with some nervousness by the <clears throat> person at the door And I didn't realise that they'd immediately sort of said uh, breaker, breaker, (laughs) (laughs) Lord Mayor on the loose, uh, unofficial, uh, because all of this activity started happening. But while all that was unfolding around me, I walked up the stairs of Town Hall in the main entrance and it's the red carpet up the marble stairs. And on either side of you are these marble tablets that have the names of the Lord Mayor's Uh, in gold chiselled with gold and as I looked at all of those names it really dawned on me one that I was the 104th Lord Mayor that's really cool Um, but two there were only two female names amongst the 103 that had come before me and uh, it it was uh, both a thrill but a sense of the, the gravity of many of the Uh, the history and and how that creates a momentum and the gravity of needing to really change the trajectory in some some way and and that's been a joy for me.
2: You have said, I've heard you say before, Sal, that you're a doer. Is that a word that you would describe for yourself?
0: Yeah, I'm a serial have-a-goer. Have-a-goer. Yeah, and I'm a doer but it starts with the have-a-goer.
2: Okay, so if you're typically a -a have-a-goer, when are you a uh, -a have-a-donter? Going to
0: go up. Oh, that's a really interesting one. Uh, and um, when Mad started with, you know, comment on the CV, I, I often think I need two CVs. You know, we have that one CV that has all of the crowning, glorious moments from uh, our life and our career, but actually. That only represents often just a small percentage of the life experiences that we've had. Yeah, we need a life CV. And there's a there's a whole life CV out there and, and often actually when I'm talking to groups of women I get up and I say the things that haven't worked out well for me, the times when I have failed, I haven't achieved what I wanted to and uh, and the stories that come from those situations are more interesting, they've been more impactful for me. Of course, you know, they say from those experiences you get the greatest learnings, it's been very true for me and that sense of having a go has come because there have been humiliations, there have been aha moments that have come from the depths of despair frankly and uh, and there's been a lot of embarrassment uh, along the way as well and um, that's been the best thing for me is that the resilience that has come with that has really come from life experience. I started as a lawyer. I wanted to be a barrister. That didn't happen. Then I wanted to be a partner in a law firm. That didn't happen. So when you Uh, say that all of these things. What does that didn't
2: happen mean?
0: Well I went along on a path thinking yeah that's what I want to be and strive to sort of get into that stream of of work and uh the experience that I got I I didn't really get into you know how there are streams in life and you've got to sort of be able to jump into them and then it 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 scoots you along uh I I could never break myself into the right streams for barrister I tried criminal law I did quite a lot of commercial law but the I mean, this is going to sound really boring now, but you know, I tried a number of of different types of law, thinking that ultimately my aim was to become a barrister. I just couldn't find my way into having uh, the patronage and support, the knowledge, and the uh, the pathways uh, to get me there. I just even, kept even coming across really barriers, even you really wanted
1: to, like that was your real yeah, dream. and, but and you there are all sorts actualize. of reasons. Exactly, mm.
0: there are lots of reasons for that. You do need supporters in your life. I mean, I started out as one of those. Uh, ...people that I was just a crack networker. You know, it was all about quantity. How many hands could I shake, business cards could I collect... ...my Rolodex, and it really was the Rolodex in the old days. You know, I'd have quite a few of them on my desk... ...and feel this was a sign of my success. But of course it wasn't because those people... ...didn't know me, they weren't the people that in conversations... ...when I wasn't there would be my champions. And they weren't the people that would frankly give me a slap across the face... ...and a reality check when I needed it as well. And I love those because the sooner you get them... ...you know, what is it? You fail early or...
1: Fail fast. Fail fast,
0: thank you. I knew there was a saying. Uh, They're gifts
1: as well. Do you want us to slap you across the face?
0: Today, (laughs) so that you feel (laughs) that we're holding up. So so who? So who? Let me prepare myself. So who does that
1: for you? Like, who's mentoring Mm. Sally Cap?
0: Oh, so many people, and I'm. When when I got over the quantity bit, um, because actually quantity is the easier part in so many ways. The quality is the bit that requires the hard work and the investment, and you've got to be genuine. You've got to be revealing of yourself. You've got to be interested in other people. You've got to want to help you know that's the doing bit Mm. that's been that's been my thing uh and if you and you've got to maintain and sustain and nourish relationships and for people to be interested in you you've got to be interested in them and you've got to have that investment you know so once I realized that I've um I've done that and I do I have people that say that's you're never going to be good at that or you're never going to be I don't mean this in a harsh way I mean this in a really positive uh, way of people that'll say you're just wasting your time why wouldn't you think about this because you know have you considered all of these other elements and they're people that I've worked with some of my first bosses my first clients are still my close mentors and supporters today Uh, I've had some great Family members who are amazing uh, support bases for me. And um, one of those, I guess, aims in my professional career is I'm really attracted to working with people who I admire, who I think I can learn something from, who I think will make me challenge myself. I'm a real push the boundaries sort of girl and person and uh, and so I'm attracted to those sorts of people. So I've managed to collect quite a few of them as I've gone along and I've got some great mates. I mean I remember calling a great mate once who, was, who is in television and entertainment and saying, oh, I've got this idea and it's a television show and I could host it and it's going to be about um, young entrepreneurs and incubator and what works and what doesn't and um, failing's not a bad thing and taking risks, all those things. And he listened so patiently, and then he looked at me and he said, "It's boring as batshit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and stop immediately. Uh, reverse and uh, focus on things you're good at. That's not it. So what are you good at? <sighs> well, Apart that's from a good what we know, question, you're, we,
1: we know what we think you're good what at. What am I
0: good at? Look, I'm I'm a glass always full kind of person. I'm enthusiastic. I've got amazing perseverance and resilience skills. I'm really good at people saying no a lot of times and me still coming back with something that might be even slightly different uh, that they might reconsider. Um, I'm, if I'm really passionate about something, I won't let it go. Uh, I'm, I'm a good listener I think that makes me a good communicator as well because you need to understand what people are feeling and thinking. And I've got to say when I became Lord Mayor, I was not thinking that I would enjoy the community engagement stuff as much as I've loved it. And that really comes from those listening skills that I've developed. Over the time I've got huge patience uh, for people, my husband doesn't always think so, but <laughs> maybe uh, not for him. I Husbands a reserved <laughs> a yeah, brand are reserved special range of patients, uh, and so I think I'm good at all of those things. Yeah, I'm. I look my my training as well. I trained as a lawyer and as an economist. I'm an evidence based person. I don't take things personally. That's been an amazing skill for me. I can be very issue based, and sometimes maybe um, again, um, family might say. That, that might be interpreted sometimes as not caring as much, so I'm conscious of that. Uh, but I just like to be issue-focused and a doer. I try not to take things too personally and I'm focused on the outcome. And that's turned out to be something really good in the small-P politics I play in in local government uh, because I get a lot of feedback every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if I genuinely accept that feedback as... the as people being passionate about the issue and they want to have their say, then I don't take things as personally as they might intend them.
2: Where does the optimism and perseverance and positivity come from?
0: Well, that's a good question. Do you know the answer to that? Well, I'm vol- that's uh, a we million could dollar question. Package <laughs> it. <laughs> it's a na- nature <laughs> nurture. Like a it, it is a nature nurture, isn't it? Look, I absolutely believe it's in my genes. Uh, we've um, ...got quite a lot of that in our family, so I'm lucky. It's also been a product of the environments. I, I feel so lucky about that. I mean, we, we didn't uh, grow up with a lot of things. But, for example, um, education was a really big priority for my parents. And we went to the local primary school... ...but very, you know, striving to be the best... ...and make the most of every opportunity. And then we went to my sister and I went to PLC. We lived around the corner... And uh, that environment, we had a a headmistress, um, Elizabeth Montgomery, who's still alive, she's still amazing, she's revered as one of the great educators um, across uh, boys and and girls education and she was like a kick-ass and in those days, kick-ass, you can do it, whatever you put your mind to, let's make it happen, try uh, no boundaries sort of educator and it was an incredible environment to be in so to have what came at home and then mm. to grow up in an environment you had that's a very dose. empowering like that I had the double dose and uh, you know both of my parents are self-starters and and doers and very determined as well and uh you know, and, and I think it's created a really good base for me. I feel very blessed in that way.
2: What happens when you come across someone whose lens of life is the opposite of that?
0: Well, um, it's it either goes two ways. Uh, I get a big slap down, uh, as in I try my best with, you know, lots of enthusiasm and... Um, and uh, and purpose and I'll get a slap down and I might come back and keep trying. Uh, but, you know, there's only so far you can take other people, um, either with me coming in from behind or me expecting them to come in behind me or beside me and uh, I'll give it a red hot go. But then after that, you know, I think people are allowed to be themselves as well. Like we can't all be the same. That's the great thing. So how do you know
1: then, Sally, that you're being representative in your role?
0: Yeah, that's been uh, one – and it's an evolving thing, Mads. It's a great question because uh, it's – there's so much of of who you are as a person and and your background and how you've been formed – How do you moderate that to make sure that you are considerate? And the best thing that I get as Lord Mayor is a constant influx of feedback and ideas, mail, email, social media, forums and the forums we've managed to continue using technology and I soak it all up. I soak it all up, and look, I'm really, I'm somebody that I think this is another great thing for me. I'm happy to say I was wrong. I mean, once it's been proven to me, but I am. <laughs> and uh, a you know, of I can years be. <laughs> no, I can be. I can be flexible in that way. I'm happy to say sorry, uh, and I'm wrong, and I've changed my mind. I'm okay with all of that. And um, there's a lot of twists and turns in life, and I think the ability to be analytical of yourself is is really important and to it's not about admitting defeat it's about understanding that we can keep evolving our own ideas they don't have to be set and that's the great thing about constant stimulation that I have is that that can constantly change. But back to people, uh, I, uh, I take that role really seriously and I don't always agree with those positions. But if they're strongly felt and it's my role to represent, then I'm happy to take those positions forward as the chief advocate, uh, chief cheerleader uh, for certain causes. The corollary of that though is I've become much more comfortable in standing up in front of crowds and saying I don't agree with you mm-hmm. and this is why. Because I think those are the sorts of conversations that we need to have more of in the community. It was really stark for me in the first time um, I campaigned, which is the only time I have so far. We're getting ready for another election now. I went into uh, the first Meet the Candidate night so excited. Mm. and I Did was, you turn up three days early? I sort of, kind of, yeah. And I was you know I was like a puppy dog you know when the whole body's moving and the eyes and the whole thing's going on and i was just excited to meet people hear about what was important to them and share my ideas with them and from the moment the first bell went i was on the on the mat <laughs> uh, in what just, way what was the oh, first punch just, thrown It was just so graphic to me how uh, we do a lot of shorthand in our lives through assumptions and perceptions.
1: Heuristics and the like. Exactly.
0: And so uh, I'd come in as a person really predominantly from business. My previous role had been running the property council, which was equals I represent greedy developers who don't care about heritage or residence or culture or mixed use. People had a perception about who I was as somebody that wasn't ever going to care about community. Uh, it was very one-dimensional, let me put it that way. So it really didn't matter what I said. The feedback from the crowd and uh, from residents mostly was, we don't believe you, we don't believe you, you're wrong, uh, your thoughts on that couldn't be further from the truth. There was, it was very unforgiving. It was very adversarial. And I responded to that. I mean, I can, I can do that.
1: Fierce lady. You mean you defended
0: yourself? Is that what
2: you mean? By I that? went
0: into the mode. I got the finger out.
2: Mm. Uh,
0: and thankfully, one of my uh, campaign volunteers came along, uh, who you know well, mm. Beena, <laughs> and she thought, "I'm going to film this," <laughs> and it was terrific because when she played it back to me afterwards, I was horrified. I went into defending the territory mode, and you don't have to do that.
2: In fact, it makes it worse.
0: It made it so bad. And uh, as I said, I was on the mat. I never recovered. I had to, you know, do the three and basically bow out. Uh, And I learned a lot from that. The next one I went to, still a bit of the (coughs) puppy dog, because I'm naturally like that anyway. And the first. Uh, person got up and said uh, Sally this is a question for Sally Capp I thought oh good okay that's great and remember there are 13 other candidates up on the stage because we're all there to spruik our wares this gentleman got up and then he said well look actually it's more of a comment we just want you to know Sally Capp that it doesn't matter what you say to us this evening we will not believe you and there's nothing you can say that will convince us to vote for you Wow, and and how did you respond to that? Well, I'd had the the previous one and and a bit of practice and coaching in between and I said, thank you, Uh, I appreciate what you're saying, but I said I I just want to put back to you that I've come to understand that um, all of us, including me, we make assumptions and they're great shortcuts normally, but this is an election for who you want as the leader of your city. And I'm asking you, please, to open your minds and to think about who you want. You know, this is one of our biggest economies. Uh, It's a cultural centre. We have residents. And I went through some key issues that were... uh, I thought were important that could demonstrate where my focus areas were. And then I talked about some of my experiences that were beyond where the perceptions were that took me back to roles that they may not have been aware of and I talked about how those roles uh, I thought could really add to the issues that I'd identified. Um, the bell went for my three minute limit uh, and did you get a, a biscuit? <laughs> and I sat down and there was still a lot of aggression that night. There was a lady that sat there the whole night with her middle finger up like this just giving me daggers really to put me off my game and to make it very clear that there was no way she was going to support me. But, you know, just turning up and staying in those situations and staying calm and using it as an opportunity that this is a conversation, however aggressive it is, and we need to take some of that adversarial nature out of it and we need to open up. And for them to listen to me, I needed to listen to them. And at the end of the night, I got up again and I said, regardless of what happens in the election... I'm coming back to this forum because I've heard things tonight that I've never fully appreciated before and and we need to fix some of these issues that you're experiencing and I will come back, whether it's head of the property council or as the Lord Mayor of Melbourne, I'll come back. Well, there was cynicism and scoffs and all that sort of thing. Anyway, the first day I was in my office as Lord Mayor, I rang the head of that, that group And I said, uh, Tony, you know, I'd like to come back. Crickets. He couldn't believe it. He said, really? I said, yes. I said that I would and I want to come back. So at the next meeting uh, of the residents I went back. I answered lots of questions and we had a great conversation. And then the gentleman who had stood up first the last time, he stood up at the end and I said, oh, gosh, Peter, I'm a bit nervous about uh, what you're going to say, given what you said to me last time. And he said, Sally, I'm, I'm getting up to tell you that we voted for you. Oh, well, there you go. And he said, because you made us think about what we wanted in our leader and you made us think beyond ideology and beyond what we saw as your persona. Uh, and I think it was a great learning for all of us, that experience, because have we lost the art of being curious? Have we lost the love of being curious and asking lots of questions before we make judgments and form opinions? And this is what worries me about a lot of the the narrative and the dialogue and really lack of proper debate, but the debate that goes on in parliaments, in media, across dining room tables, frankly, And if I can do a little bit to change some of that, uh, Mm. then I will. And that's why I'm still happy to humiliate myself in this role as well because I think being human and shocking people occasionally or or changing their preconceptions of who I am, it also gives them permission to... Mm.
1: To be who they are. To be
0: who they are. So Mm. here's something I'm wondering, given
1: all of that, because politics is a thankless, volatile, distorted game in lots yep. of ways. What draws someone to public life?
0: Look, I mean, we grew up in similar circles and backgrounds. How many times have we all sat around and said, God, why would you want to do that? Why would anybody want to put themselves up for that public scrutiny, the criticism, the media pressure, all of those sorts of things? Why would you want to? I was one of those people. I did never want to put myself in that situation. Very happy with my life um, and what I was doing. For me it was uh, and my husband because um, we're a great team and we make all of these decisions together. Admittedly it was late on a Sunday night and we were both staring at the ceiling when we decided to jump into the Lord Mayor race Uh, but it was a a series of events because uh, I've had roles where I've represented Melbourne and Victoria before. I've had roles where I've worked with the City of Melbourne and other leaders and I've, I understand that we need to have respect for our public institutions and we need for them to be effective and uh, reputation issues can be incredibly damaging <clears throat> as much as operational risks can be damaging. And I saw what was happening at Town Hall and I felt gutted actually about... Uh, the situation where uh, there was a diminishing of respect and regard for roles and organisations that are important. Um, Obviously... What what
1: specifically are you referring to there?
0: Well, uh, there was uh, incidences of inappropriate behaviour at Town Hall by the former Lord Mayor uh, and allegations that have been made. Then the ensuing media involvement and... Uh, way in which everybody responded to that, those that were involved in it through to people right on the outside, really disappointed me. As I said, uh, uh, we became more and more impassioned about it given some of the other perspectives and engagement we'd had. And the turning point actually, and we'd been talking to people saying, oh, you know, we need to get the right candidates in there for Lord Mayor. You know, we've got to get... This back on track. But the turning point was when we were on family holiday and we were in Sri Lanka and we were sitting in this amazing hotel in Colombo looking at a sunset and having a gin and tonic on the balcony and we were in a bar and the, there was a family in, a family from um, Britain on the table next to us. And they, we weren't engaging. The uh, gentleman was reading The Guardian and he was sharing some of the stories of updates from home with his family. And he said, oh, he said, uh, listen to this story. He said, um, what is going on in Melbourne? So my ears and Andrew that we're listening, well, it's always being considered the most livable city but I think now it's surely it's the most shaggable. <gasps> and I, we literally had a physical reaction to that. It was so upsetting given that previously we'd lived in London... Uh, and I was Agent General for Victoria, which was Head of Sales for Melbourne and Victoria. And uh, just to know that people are talking about us with such derision and disrespect, that was like a little turning point. So um, nothing happened until uh, the former Lord Mayor resigned. And at that point, um, we looked at each other and thought, oh my God, should we have a go? And uh, we being you and, and
2: Andrew is the we you're referring yeah. to?
0: And we, we thought, we will. We'll have a go. Of course, we had no idea what was involved and that was an advantage. But um, at that point, you know, decision-making points, if you don't really understand what's involved, um, we we weren't perturbed at that point. But um, it was exciting.
2: Can you help us understand the we part? I've gone into the the marriage counsellor part of the we. <laughs> and we know, actually, the research tells us that couples who, who – use the kind of language that you're using the weeness, the togetherness the unity are the ones that thrive how have you arrived at that place that a career decision for you becomes a joint decision for both of you
0: mm. well we've really always done it that way and when I look at uh female colleagues particularly that don't have the same we approach I realise I mean I I shouldn't just feel lucky I mean I know Andrew does as well because our our journey together has taken us both to the most amazing places for us personally and also as a family but I do really feel lucky that I've had someone as a partner who is in as in is as invested in me as I am in him And uh, for us that's meant a complete merging of so many elements of our lives together. And for me now it's, I'm not going to say 100%, a 1,000% confidence that he is there to catch me, to push me, to idolise me, to uh, give me very frank advice when I need it... And I'm completely the same for him. So it's just a wonderful position. But, of course, it's been over many years. And, and look, one of the first uh, points in our lives uh, where that changed was really something for him where he wanted to leave uh, the big corporate that he worked for and start his own business, um, which sounded for me as a young lawyer, uh, that sounded exciting until he said, and I'd like to go to Perth to do it, uh, which was a big Uh, Turn off for me I cried literally cried Um, but we worked our way through it and uh, we talked about you know all the pros and cons and the whys etc and uh, and we agreed together that it would be a good thing for for us. I was still a bit sceptical, I've got to say. Uh, and then we got there and we made the most of it. I think it's that sense of making the most of every opportunity always helps. And uh, from there, it's not that it's his turn, then my turn, then his turn. But there's a sense of, oh, look, you know, that at that point we prioritised your career ambitions and, and that business, and I've always been very involved. We've both had our own businesses from time to time. But certainly the next time something came up for me, he said, oh, absolutely. I mean, this is something where we can, you know, really focus and, and pivot to, to um, a career highlight for you. And so we've had that lovely ebb and mm. flow, if you like, through, yeah, through, through the relationship. And
2: for those who don't know your husband, I mean, he's he's not just waiting in the wings there to support you, he's... Articulate, passionate, larger than life. Oh, um, incredible! Oh no,
0: he's completely his own.
2: He's his own person. World, almost yeah, world. universe. <laughs> he
0: uh, he is a, a force uh, of nature himself, and and so I'm really lucky to have him. But he's got his own stuff going on as well, and so it's it is about making time. There's got to be enough oxygen for both of us, and I'm really conscious of that too because every time I get up to give a speech now. My husband's the best speech giver ever. So I'm really conscious of the fact that he's there supporting me, me knowing he's far better at that stuff than I am. So whenever there's an opportunity for him to be doing uh, those things then he's absolutely got the floor because I get more than my fair share of that sort of stuff. Is that an example? Mm. Yeah, it's
1: amazing you've got that at home and that support. What we know, and and you and I have collided a few times, um, you know, around different things, including one of the businesses I run is called Girl World and we try and give girls pathways into leadership and entrepreneurship. What we know is the participation of women in government and, in fact, in the halls of leadership across Australia is very, very low. So what advice would you give? How do we create more pathways and access points for young women to step up and take the public stage
0: Um, What I've found in all of the conversations I've had along my uh, career and life is that at various times we tend to focus, oh, we've got to do this. It's all about structural reform. And every time we do that, we miss the full picture. It actually takes everything. We need to lift across all elements, skill sets and experiences for women. Uh, We need to help with risk-taking and... uh, and we need to uh, provide more opportunities to develop and mature in in certain roles. But at the same time, we've got to, to completely keep busting down what are still there, uh, institutional barriers in so many ways. This complete change in how we work is going to be wonderful, I think, for women, and yet the biggest losers at the moment in unemployment as a result of COVID are women.
1: Are women through part-time so, or casual roles? Exactly. So when we so talk about the change, though, is it education? Is it quotas? Is it how do we break the bias that's so it's entrenched?
0: All of those things, and that's the the. I think that's one of my frustrations when I look back. Is <clears throat> for example, I was on one of the first diversity councils at ANZ when I was there in the old days, and we would talk about. ...when I look now at marginal, incremental things on how to help women... ...and we need to take some still big, bold steps. One of my heroes, who's still one of my heroes, Elizabeth Proust... ...who ran Premier and Cabinet and then she ran the City of Melbourne. Unbelievable. And then uh, has been a very, very successful business leader. Um, She and I chat and she says, I can't believe we're still talking about this. My aunt, who was the first federal member to give birth whilst in Parliament... ...almost literally whilst in Parliament... We, we have the same chats. Why is this still happening? And it's because we have these big exertions of effort into one part uh, of the conundrum... Uh, without at the same time building up all of the other elements that go to the pathway. Yes, women need more education. Yes, frankly, they need more life skills as well. Uh, They need uh, to be comfortable in humiliating themselves and stepping into the have a going. But at the same time, we need more support mechanisms so that the landing isn't so hard that we go back to scratch so that there are some soft landings there. We need uh, to look at the way we work. We need to look at childcare... We need to look at. I'm a big quota supporter, and I wasn't when I started. Always about merit. When I hear that now, it's just crushing. Particularly well, merit when assumes I hear we're
1: starting from the same place, exactly. and we're not. Women are a long way behind oh, the. Oh
0: gosh, ball. it'll be equality when there are as many ordinary female leaders as there are men. Frankly, you know this this sense that uh, we don't have enough of a. Uh, a merit at the moment to warrant uh, the opportunities is completely wrong. It's just we have to keep looking harder uh, to keep pulling more people, uh, more women along. and uh, But we have to name it and we have to say this is still an issue and we have to put more effort into it across the whole spectrum of what's required from young girls and the work you do is amazing because that can-do kick-ass attitude is Absolutely required. It may it come can, down a few. But it also
1: pecs. can preach to the converted, and it can preach into the halls where they're already happy to nod. And so, how do we start to call out the elephant in the room in the places where they're not having the diversity conversation, or in fact, not affecting that structural change?
0: Oh, I so agree with you. I still sit in some of those environments, and I call it out now because I'm far enough in my career to not have to worry about some of the repercussions potentially. And
2: Sally, you are walking into a risk fear in the near future, you're campaigning again.
0: I am. I'm doing it again. (laughs) How does that
2: look for you? And particularly against the catch cry that you have on LinkedIn, which says people and purpose, not politics.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting dynamic when you're in politics. And I work so hard to ...to take that out of it as much as I can. It doesn't always work. But we've done pretty well over the last two years at Town Hall. Uh, I came in as a single person... uh, ...into a a team of ten other counsellors... ...who were already in groups, if you like. And of course had gone through incredible trauma. And over the two years... uh, ...we've done uh, almost 300 different decision points and only about 4 of those have been uh, impacted by politics we've been what, managed what to find mean, consensus what do you mean by so that
1: impacted by politics
0: well i'd say where there've been decisions that have been made more around political lines than the outcome so i think we've been we've managed to be very outcome focused in that time and and we've managed to have really sometimes very fierce debates but we've been able to build consensus towards an outcome a compromise or an outcome for a strategy for a uh, a new initiative uh, for a new investment and I think that really speaks well to at local government particularly we don't have you know uh, we don't have the strict ideological uh, lines that happen in state and federal government and that's why uh, I've, I've really enjoyed it because we can get focused around there are more independents for example yes there are party representatives uh, but we're so closely connected to community we are judged every day every time you walk outside town hall somebody will be talking to you about something and you can I think be really focused on the outcome because you can see it you're, you're delivering it and uh, I've really enjoyed that bit so I try to keep the politics out of it by, uh, for myself and in the conversations I have is really being focused on what's the best outcome for the people of Melbourne and what's going to leave a legacy. And are we actually improving a situation? Are we making it better? And, uh, and those conversations have mostly been are very productive at Town Hall. And that's what we're looking for. I mean, we need people with different backgrounds and influences and political views, frankly, as well. It drives a lot of good debate. But I think we've got to be focused on the people and the purpose. You know, why are we there? And if we can keep doing that, then we can shove each other mm. towards something that's better.
1: And so, Sally, then, assuming you ask are successful um, in your uh, campaign run fingers crossed where is Melbourne heading next and I ask this question pandemic aside what is your vision for the future of Melbourne?
0: Wow well the last six months have really uh, changed so many things and there's there's devastation and despair in so many ways from health impacts mental health and well-being impacts through to economic devastation and of course they're completely interlinked as well. Uh, And, wow, I mean, we – as a globe, we are facing uh, this crisis. We are all impacted. What – and, you know, maybe this is the optimist in me again and that famous oracle Homer Simpson said it's a Uh, (laughs) crisis-tunity, is that what we are seeing, which I think is really positive throughout this experience, is we are moving more to values-based decision-making That has been fabulous. So we had this terrible situation in the city of Melbourne where we had a rough sleeping cohort of about 370 people regularly choosing uh, or feeling that their only option was to sleep on our streets in an affluent society like this. So that was BC before COVID. COVID, AC are currently... 90% of those people are in accommodation. They're receiving support services every day. They are being fed. Those systems can keep improving. But we are so far and beyond uh, where we were six months ago in such a positive way we're seeing more of our sustainability resilient climate action decision making come through because we know that those decisions are about healthy communities in every sense of the word and can be about healthy economies i mean with job losses as we're seeing them new industries new skills i mean how exciting is that how hopeful is that that we can actually uh, move into some of these sectors that had previously seemed so difficult we've been listening to experts you know we listen to those health experts every day whereas the debate in undermining scientists saying we face a climate uh, emergency has been going on for years in australia and around the world so listening to experts Oh, that sounds exciting to me. We've got levels of cooperation across sectors and levels of government that we haven't seen in this way before because we have actually shoved aside a lot of the things uh, that divided us and said it's roll your sleeves up time. We're going to jump into this together because it's mammoth in terms of the the challenge Um but it can be momentous in terms of how we respond to it if we do this well.
1: And it's about people, not politics, ultimately what we're going through right now.
0: Completely. As
1: it always should have been.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And, you know, we don't... It's not about agreeing on everything all the time because then you get into group thinking. That is, oh, the worst. Uh, But it is about staying focused on the goal and disagreeing along the way, just continually pushing ourselves to better. And that's one of the reasons why I... I'm very okay now with saying I got that wrong, or I wasn't, or yeah, I, my or I've thinking, changed my, my mind. thinking. One of I've the changed things my I've heard mind, you exactly. say
2: numerous times yeah. in this conversation is how many times you have changed your mind or yes. rethought something through, which is such a marker of someone's uh, not just their growth but also their humility. Mm. ...to be able to say, I don't know everything. Mm. I, I thought I had some answers. I, I, I didn't and I'm seeing it in a new way. It's, it's one of the healthier um, markers of a, of a human. And talking of which, uh, we like to always end uh, conversation. It's not fastest finger first or anything like that. We just ask everyone the same question. We wonder in all the complexities that we've discussed today... ...and that human life brings, who do you think is doing human well?
0: Well, one of my pinups is Jacinda Ardern and I got to meet her when she came to Australia and spent even, you know, a brief amount of time with her and listened to her speak and her humanity is wonderful. I just I love it. To, to have a leader who puts that first is incredible. Uh, so somebody who's on the world stage, you know, I, I definitely see that. But for me at the moment uh, in this role, I am surrounded by the most incredible people that are out in the community that are just getting on with, uh, with actions uh, that make a positive difference in people's lives every single day. Those sort of unsung heroes that, you know, a, you, there's a, a buzz in cities. You know, Melbourne has a buzz. And I've never really appreciated that a lot of that buzz and that murmur, that sort of heartbeat has come from these efforts of community leaders who identify uh, a deeply, I mean I'm going to use the word again, human challenges that we face and they're willing to tackle them. And they often are doing it in severely constrained circumstances uh, but they find a way. And that is the stuff that inspires me every day mm. because I see it and I get the benefit of that energy mm. uh, and I, I feel lucky. It's that they're giving me that gift every day by showing me how it's done.
1: Well, thank you for the gift you are giving us, particularly you're embodying a new style of leadership that you probably share with Jacinda, which is this soft and strong leadership so thank you for your time and for everything you're doing for the city of melbourne Mm, and for bringing the human in you to human cogs thank you sally cap thank you for listening thanks so much for joining us for this episode of human cogs We know that being human is pretty messy for the best of us and we really hope these conversations challenge what you think you know about yourself and maybe some others in your orbit.
2: And you know, Mads, as a psychologist, I know I'm having a good day at work when people say to me, Sabina, I've never thought about it that way before. That's what we hope your experience will be listening to Human Cogs. So if you want to find out more about other episodes or about this episode, jump on our website at humancogs.com.